and welcome back to Radio Meteor, the podcast where I watch an episode of 90s anime Gundam Wing and ramble about it because every single character is a goddamn style icon and I will fight anybody over that. This week we have Sally Poe, Hot for Yui or Not, part two, a continuation of the subtext which pretty much yules the entirety of 1x2 fandom and Wu Fei is still a goddamn drama queen. I'm Odomaki, or aka Lemon Trash. Welcome to Orbit. This week is episode 8, Terezu no Ansatsu, The Trey's Assassination. The only version of the show that I could find to watch this episode on that wasn't the English dub is the reworked high-definition version. And again, I don't think there's any huge material difference. There might be a few little quirks. I don't think they changed the voices. I think it is the original Japanese soundtrack. So we're just going to kind of have to trust it and, and hope for the best. Somebody said that in the English, it's always Hiro's voice actor who does the title announcement. As far as I know in the Japanese, and I haven't really been paying attention, but I did notice that this week's was read by Wufei's voice actor, and I will double check next time to see if it is Hiro's or if it's somebody else's. So I will try and keep a bit of a tally on who does what. Uh, somebody also asked me if Lady Un is called Lady in Japanese, or if she has some other title. Like, where does that lady come from? And she is genuinely called Lady. Trey's addresses her as Lady Un. She does have another title. One of her grunts addresses her as Lady Un something. And I couldn't really pick up what title he was using. If it's like Lieutenant Colonel, it should be Tokusa or Kusa or maybe even Nisa. But perhaps they made something up to fit in with the Alliance structure, like they made up the word that they used to describe Hero as a spy. So still slightly out on that one um if i get another good chance to hear what they call her i will let you know just to provide a quick recap episode 8 kicks off exactly where episode 7 ended so they are still at the new edwards base hero has just blown up all of the pacifists oz has performed their coup and trays and lady un are making their big move to take over the world it's like pink in the brain at this stage and the pilots are still kind of milling around going, shit, what do we do next? And what they do next is episode eight. It's the episode as well where Wufei has his man-to-man duel with Trey's, and spoilers, he loses pretty badly. He gets his butt kicked, um, thus throwing us into the next three episodes, I think, of major teenage angst over this. There is a lot on language for this episode, quite a lot on language, and I think the characters for this episode that I really want to focus on way more than the main five protagonists are Lady Un, the woman, the legend that is Sally Poe, and Zex. Sorry, we got to talk about him. He has a moment in this episode. It's quite vital. In episode 7, Zex was sent off to where the fighting was the hottest, so him and Noin went off to Nairobi, they dropped in there, they kicked some butt. 
He is then immediately sent off to Luxembourg, where again there's another massive alliance stronghold. The alliance is fighting back, and the fighting is really particularly nasty. Trey's is kind of throwing him into the front line in every single opportunity he gets. Zex arrives at this base in Luxembourg. It's a fortified country house and he arranges his troops all the way around it and then avoids any kind of battle by sneaking in. The alliance bloke who is living there, and I missed his name, but his name is genuinely irrelevant because he, again, is one of those characters that lasts for a hot two minutes and then he's gone. But there's this interaction between the two which sort of sets the baseline for episode nine. Alliance guy, we'll call him Alliance Man Bob, he takes one look at Zex and there is a recognition here. In the Japanese, I was very misled into thinking that the Alliance Man at first glance recognises him and knows him as Milado Peacecraft. Mask aside. Mask isn't a great disguise, but he doesn't. All he recognises is that this man is Oz, or perhaps he recognises that he is somehow connected to the Sank Kingdom, because he immediately backpedals against the window once he's disarmed and says, word to the effect of, the war made me do those things, I didn't mean it. And this is one of those tricky bits in this show, because I know some of the writers are quite into, obviously, the history of warfare in terms of studying it and reflecting on it and and bringing elements of that into their work. We see it in the costume design of the show. We've seen it in um, other aspects. So there is one battle in Frozen Teardrop, which I've read, which is how Trey's and the specials, including Milado Peacecraft, aka Zex Marquis, make their name, which is called the Battle of Mogadishu. Now, the way that that battle in the Frozen Teardrop story is fleshed out truly reflects an actual battle that happened at the very real-world city of Mogadishu in Africa. Um, If you have heard of a film called Black Hawk Down, that is that battle. Only, of course, in the Frozen Teardrop version of events, obviously the specials win and the native air force has the black hawk down and you know trace gets to win the day i personally find it always a little bit uncomfortable when true real world situations are pulled into sci-fi in this kind of way you know we're talking about real lives and real people and real countries and real places it's in some ways a little i don't know can we call it disrespectful i suppose in their perspective it's it's paying tribute to the strategy and everything else behind it. I guess this is a much, much wider conversation. But um, the reason why I'm raising this is that um, this is one of those instances of, in a very shallow respect, the anime reflecting on real-world circumstances. So that line in particular, the war made me do it, the war made me commit these atrocities, I was only following orders, is of course exactly what was the line of defence for many of the war criminals in the Nuremberg trials. Let's all just heave a big sigh here. This is way too deep for uh, a single anime, but I also feel like I can't 
not acknowledge that this is what's said in the show. And then after saying that, and after quite what happens, the Alliance man Bob recognises Zex for Miliado Peacecraft. And Zex shoots him and kills him dead. And then he says, rest in peace, Miliado Peacecraft, or, or I hope you can now rest in peace. Character is even drawn with a slight glow on him at the end, like he's sort of slightly incandescent over it, whether that's supposed to represent his joy or his satisfaction at killing the man who ordered the attack on Sank Kingdom. Um, sorry, I should have mentioned that sooner. Um, Alliance Guy Bob is the man who signed off the attack on the Sank Kingdom and destroyed Miliado's family. Um, but again, here we have perhaps without it being explicitly stated, the whole reasoning and motivation for Zex's character. So this is a personal vendetta. He has been perhaps infiltrating the specials, uh, becoming Oz, solely to get access to this man and his peers, the people who destroyed his life, and exact his vengeance. But now it's unclear as to what he plans to do next. He has clearly put his old persona to rest, or he thinks he has, um, by saying, rest in peace, Milado Peacecraft. But equally, is he content to stay with the specials? So here we have a nice turning point for this character. We've, we suddenly understand a little bit more about him. But there's this question mark of where is he going to go next? Previously, I've said that Lady Un at this stage is really the one bad guy that you can really sink your teeth into, and she doesn't disappoint in this episode either. She is given the instruction to go away and deal with the Gundams at the New Edwards base. The Gundams are still at the base, and her strategy to do this is so typically Lady Un, uh, she decides to go nuclear, literally. She utilises the 47 warheads of the New Edwards base to blow up the base, hopefully the Gundams, but also everything else in a 300km radius. Even her underlings are saying, this is overkill. And for the second time in as many episodes, we have Trey's jerking her leash. So after her plan fails, Trey's basically gives her a slap on the wrist for being too extra. And he tells her that Earth is a confined space and she needs to study Oz and by extension himself, better. She needs to know them better. And she takes this very much to heart. She really goes away to reflect on this, questioning, do I not know him? Do I not know what we're doing? Uh, which is crucial for when what comes next. I find Trey's comment here very interesting that he specifies that Earth is a confined area. Obviously, the colonies are confined areas they are cannons in space is how i like to describe them but he's not wrong when he says earth is also a confined area uh so perhaps this is another playback to what i was talking about with the earth humbling he is perhaps one of those few people who really understands that the earth is just as much a tin can in space and a fragile object as a colony is i'm wondering if he is treating un 
slightly as his microcosm for all of his philosophy about war. So Trace is very much of a philosopher. He is questioning why do we go to war? Why are we so in love with war? What perpetuates it? Why can't we live with peace? Why is peace unattainable? And it's almost like he's using Un to sort of test some of his theories because she does have both sides of the argument within her as a single individual. So she is loving and she's passionate with that love and she's loyal and she has high-minded ideals, even if they're not the right ideals, she is very high-minded about them and that she follows through on something that she very strongly believes in, which is him. And she also has this intense bloodlust. He's almost playing these two sides of her against each other. And as we see later down the line, that actually causes a real damaging rift in her person. And I believe that that's, that's the point where he regrets toying with her. But at this stage, he toys with everything. Seven-legged bug, folks. That's what I call it. And I'll turn back to talk about Trey's when we talk about his duel with Rufay, because that kind of comes into a few other things. The last character I want to talk about is Sally Poe, the woman, the legend. But I can't talk about Sally without talking about language. So let's do that. We are introduced to Sally Poe as a soldier for the Alliance. And she comes into another base off-site and takes over and she's investigating what is happening at the New Edwards base. I think she comes in at this point where everyone is questioning Lady Una as being overkill and you get this interesting contrast between the two characters. They are both female soldiers, they are both in a position of authority, which puts them again in contrast to Noin, who has always kept herself as secondary. She has not actually assumed command, she's a teacher, but she's not a higher up on the battlefield, to put it that way. And they are both, in their own way, unrepentingly feminine. Sally Poe wears the uniform, but she also wears earrings and her lipstick. Lady Un is feminine, not in a typical sense, but she has braids in her hair, she wears her ribbons, she likes her roses. Same as trays, I mean, you know, emulate what you love. And they're both very gung-ho. They will jump straight into the deep end and they will get in there, they will get their hands dirty and they will get stuff done. They are not shrinking violets, which is one thing I do really love about the female character design in Gundam Wing. All of the women are varied and they are all pretty tough nuts. Like, they get substance and they get differentiation, which in many respects is so refreshing. It, it kind of pains me. This is a 90s anime and there are so many modern ones that just fail to live up to this. Um, that's a rant for another day. Sally is also fairly feminine in that she uses the particle wa at the end of her sentences. Wa by itself doesn't really mean anything. It just adds this kind of feminine overtone to a sentence or, or to like an accent. I also feel like Sally uses her voice quite cleverly, so when the Gundams are kind of panicking about what's going to happen, Jiu is basically saying we should bail, Catch is saying we need to do something or we're not going to get away in time, he's being very much the strategist, Hero is basically letting Oz kick him about like a football because he's 
having an emotional breakdown. And Sally comes in over the tannoy system and she says, Kite chodai. But the inflection she uses sounds so much like Relina. It almost makes me wonder if that was on purpose. And it snaps Hiro out of it. He he immediately listens. And she uses that directive as well, that chodai, um, which we've heard Relina use before. So she plays on him in that respect. Sally also has what is probably my favourite line in this entire show so far, in that when she hears that they are planning to blow up the base, she just says, Kureji! And oh, it just makes me laugh so much because she says it in English, effectively, but with this really strong Japanese accent, and it's clearly a gut reaction, and I wonder if that was written in, if that was ad-libbed by her VA... I, I love it anyway. It's just such a Sally Poe gut reaction. It's like, you're blowing up the base? Crazy! There's also a very interesting conversation where Sally is talking about Hiro with her underlings and the English is not very well representative of what happens in this conversation. They're asking her why she has so much faith and that it's going to be okay and she says something along the lines of because there's somebody there and she uses the term Tsuyoi Ningen. Tsuyoi means strong, ningen simply means human. And the next thing that they say is Gundam. Now, Gundam is obviously the robot itself. So she specifies a strong human and they say, the Gundam? And then she just says, Kiyomi ni atta pairoto. So Kiyomi is interest. Um, Kiyomi ni atta, an interest that I have in. And then pairoto is pilot. So, a pilot that I have an interest in. So that whole conversation, it's like, why shouldn't we worry? She's like, there's somebody there, Sioi Ningen. Gundam. Kyomi ni atta pairoto. So she very deliberately and very clearly refers it back to Hiro's humanity as opposed to his weapon. Afterwards, she says, Jimanshitai. I want to boast that she was the one who helped or, or new Hiro Yui, but um, she uses the word kare, um, ma, like man, it's like a, just a pronoun you can review, use to refer to a male person, um, instead of his name. So at no point does she name him until she's on the Tanoi system, and she she uses his name, and Juo is immediately all over that. He says, Hiro, Aitsunamayaka, like, ah, oh, so that's his name. And he is pretty darn pleased to find this out. Another nice duo bit where he and Kacha are flying away, um, having successfully defused the base. And he refers to Hiro as Aitsu when he's talking to Kacha, but then he privately refers to him as Hiro-san. And there's a smidgen of like he's using it, oh, Mr. Yui, kind of ironically, but it's also, I think, a nod that Yo sees something in Hiro that's quite, he, that he can respect. So there's a bit of character development there. And then when Hiro actually does succeed, Juo uh, says, You're kind of a pretty amazing guy, I guess is the translation there. But then that has that, he uses Hiro's first name, but he really plays with it. He's like, Hiro, it's cute. Oh, and speaking of cute... There's this one little thing I noticed. So the computer that Sally Poe is dealing with that does the countdown for the New Edwards-based detonation, 
it's a computer voice with an electronic effect over the top of it, but I'm pretty sure it's the same effect that they use for the Haro mini robots in some of the other series. If you've seen any of the promo art, it's what looks like a big round tennis ball with a smiley face on it. And they're in the original Gundam series and a few other things as well. But I thought that was really cute um, that it had the Haro voice. <laughs> With regards to the others, Catcher makes a slight alteration. He goes from using this mass desk kind of form, which is the polite form, to the more casual form uh, as the episode progresses. So the longer he spends time talking with Duo, it's like Duo rubs off on him and he starts using more casual language. Uh, but I feel like that's very reflective of Catcher's character as well. Like he would be. He would realise that Duo is more comfortable on that level and kind of automatically swap towards it. We also get a nice bit where they work together really well, um, Duo and Katra, and Duo questions Hiro, but Katra answers for him. Uh, and if there hadn't been that duet with the flute and the violin, you know, this fandom could have gone a very different situation. We get Hiro working well with Sally, and we get Duo working well with Katra. Um, so there's this sort of starting point of some cohesion between the different people, but not in the way that we typically put down to. Last but not least, of course, we can't end this episode without talking about Wufei. He and Troa team up and blast their way through into the base to some carriers. Troa basically says, hmm, it's full of bombs. And Wufei basically says, bitch, hold my drink, I'm going in. And it, it evidently works. Wufei and Troa bail off at the base first, but they're going to chase after Trez. And when they find him, they land on the fleet and they begin fighting. And Wufei ends up in a one-to-one -one battle with Lady Un, which I, which I think neutralizes a lot of the damage done to his character in his fight with Noin. He is in a one-to-one -one with another soldier, and at no point does he call her weak. He says she's getting hot-headed at one point and she is clearly in the weaker machine and he says you know you have to admit you can't defeat me and she can't and at which point Trey's wades in and decides to challenge Wufei directly and it's a very different type of fight that he has with Lady Un as he does with Noin because Lady Un comes in she treats him as an enemy whereas Noin didn't and that's why even though he has the advantage, he's actually not as rude to Un as he was to Noin, um, by a long shot. I mean, they're still talking to each other as opponents, but in many respects, Un is ruder to Wufei than he is to her. And that's possibly the first time that has happened with any character. And the, the duel is, of course, what it is. He goes in, he accepts the challenge to fight by sword rather than by Gundam, which he has obviously a hugely significant advantage. I mean, he already had the advantage over Lady Un, and Trez isn't even in a mobile suit. Um, and he loses. And Trez is super condescending. It was a battle, which is what Wufei has been looking for, but it was still not a battle between equals. But in this case, Wufei was the inferior. And his response to that and his response to Trey's chivalry, this very backhanded chivalry, 
um, is that he retreats and he sinks himself into the ocean and it's that old uh, Emoten Float Part 1 and Troa is still super apathetic throughout this whole thing. He asks Wufei if he's accomplished the mission and Wufei doesn't answer and then he says, Oi, answer me. And he still doesn't get an answer. <laughs> How'd you call your lover boy? Your lover boy? And if he doesn't answer, you say, Okay, that's fine. And, and Troa respects his right to sulk. And there's a weird-ass 3 by 5 dirty dancing at you that you never knew you needed. You're welcome. So that's it. That is episode 8, Trey's assassination. Uh, Trey's did not get assassinated, but then it's only episode 8. Give it some time. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Hope it gave you some food for thought. If you do have any thoughts or comments you'd like to share, please just get in touch. Uh, you can always find me at lemontrash.tumblr.com. Or on the website, I am Odomaki, aka Lemon Trash, and I will see you in orbit next time. Bye! Sylvia! Yes, Mickey? How you call your lover boy? Come here, lover boy! And if he doesn't answer? Hey, you! Can you hear me? And if he still doesn't answer? I simply say. I understand. Let's just drop it.